0: welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at Ask Adam Torres to keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, all that good stuff. Always love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, MoneyMattersTopTips.com and click on Become an Author to Apply all right so today i have shalin madan on the line he is the founder over at bodhi tree asset management uh shalin welcome to the show hey adam thanks for having me so asset management i mean uh, hot topic always um, especially with my listeners Um, a lot of business owners entrepreneurs executives investors that listen to this podcast uh, and i can see i mean i'm looking through your some of your resume i mean you're, you're definitely an asset management guy um before we get into what you're doing um, at Bodie Tree Asset Management, um, let's just start with your background. Uh, How did you get started in business?
1: You know, it's a funny story. You know, I've always been interested in the financial market. So I remember the, um, you know, the, the, the memory that's most etched in my brain is, you know, my dad coming home uh, from, uh, from the office, you know, pretty despondent. And uh, that was on October 19th, 1987, which was the day of the market crash. And I was about 12 years old at the time, and really ever since then I just had this immense fascination, um, you know, with the financial markets um, that extended through high school, um, college. I've always known I wanted to do this, and um, so for me, you know, there was really no ambiguity. It's, it's from the beginning I've known I wanted to be in this business.
0: Wow, that's 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 quite amazing. I find I find in um, in. Uh in wealth management in general. So there's usually two different tracks you can go. Very few people do both, but um, you know, some people go the advisor route. So they're helping clients one-on-one in terms of, you know, um, creating a financial plan. And then there's those real asset managers that from, from day one, they're just, they're just hooked. And you can tell based on, I can tell based off of your, your resume. I mean, you were hooked from day one. I believe that I, I, and I can see it um, through the different firms you've worked with and through. Um, what I'd like to get your opinion on and, and is really to speak to those, um, but let's just say you're a, a new college grad or maybe you're a couple um, years out of college and you, let's say you want to go that asset management track. Um, so not necessarily advisor track, but that asset mm-hmm. management track. Um, what kind of advice would you give them into breaking in the field and kind of
1: pursuing their dream there? Okay. I'm going to give it a little context to this answer because of course, 20 plus years ago, I was that college grad mm-hmm. and it was much different. I actually grew up in Northern California and I went to school at, um, at UC Berkeley and you know, in the nineties, in the late nineties, financial industry overall was much smaller and it was even smaller in the Bay area. And so I actually moved to New York because I just was so passionately want to be involved in the, in the business, didn't know exactly where in the asset management business, very broad, you know, you know, history, mm-hmm. but, but I ended up landing in the hedge fund industry. Um, that's where I've been for nineteen years now, almost nineteen years. Uh, so for for new college grads, I think that the the thing that I'm seeing and observing is this um, you know symbiosis of finance and technology. and And so they're they're really becoming intertwined. And I think that having some level of programming skill, being able to code, um, that's probably the most one of the most important things that you can bring to the table for an employer um, in, in in asset management 2.0 and, and what the future is going to look like. Man, I really love your answer there
0: because it's not dated. It's it's completely. I mean, it's just spot on. That that is what's taking place. And I have this conversation with people that reach out to me, and I'm like, you know. It's fintech. I mean, that's what needs to happen if you're thinking about asset management or if you're really thinking about a career um, in that field. And I, and that that's what I see. I see exactly what you're saying in the trends. And on this podcast, I mean, I've interviewed a ton of of fintech companies and founders and ceos and when you think about what the difference is even if even if they don't you don't you're not going to be doing that on a day-to-day basis for the hedge fund or asset manager having that understanding and being able to have that conversation alone it's just not i mean it's it's just you need to have just to get in the door you're going to have to have that at some point down the line um, it's not just going to be um, understanding of the market, so to speak. Uh, so I love that, love that um, insight into the trends. Um, I wanna, I wanna switch it up a bit, Sean. I wanna talk, start getting a little bit more into Bodhi Tree Asset Management. Um, so, how are you
1: helping your clients, and what kind of problems are you helping them solve? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, as I mentioned, you know, almost two decades in the asset management and investment business in general seen a lot of changes. Um, the number one change that I've observed is that it's become just much more difficult to generate what we call alpha, alpha meaning excess return over some sort of a benchmark. So why has that happened? You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons, but I think the number one reason is is technology. And it's how quickly information is disseminated, you know, these days in the old days, it might have, you know, well, actually in 1987, let's just go back to that example. It would take hours before information was actually, you know, disseminated that you even found out that that, you know, a share price or what the actual share price quote was, because maybe the computers were down. And over time, what's happened is that there's been incredible efficiency that's been generated in the financial markets. And so the problem for investors is how do you generate a return that's above and beyond um you know know, general returns that one should expect from you know risky assets and risk-free assets and that problem is you know further compounded by the fact that interest rates are still you know quite low and probably going to go lower so in the old days you could you know you could put your money in a bond or the bank and make six seven percent and if you had you know some level of wealth you could live off of that going forward um, that's not going to be the case. And it's certainly not the case in many parts of the world like Europe and Japan. So the problem that we're trying to solve is how do you compound your capital at an acceptable rate um, without experiencing uh, volatility that is above and beyond you know what most people are, are willing to tolerate?
0: Can you can you elaborate a little bit more on
1: the concept
0: of um volatility versus uh rate of return and the reason i want to talk about that for a moment is that there's some people listening to this that have only realistically looked at a rate of return number and maybe they haven't examined um you know the, the bigger context or picture can you can you explain why that's important
1: yeah sure uh you know whenever you look at an at, at an investment and it has some level you're ascribing some level of, of, of return to it. Let's say it's ten percent. You know, you have to also also ask yourself, well, how much am I willing to lose uh, in that investment? Or if it's a liquid investment, how much volatility am I willing to take in getting that ten percent? So there's there's something that you know I, I like to describe, you know, as quality of returns. Would you rather make ten percent in a very smooth fashion? Or would you rather make 10% in an extremely, you know, volatile uh, fashion? You know, you might, might experience, you know, several drawdowns, several losses of, say, 20% in getting to that 10% a year um, figure. And, of course, you know, as, as, from a behavioral standpoint, we'd want the smooth returns. So then the question is, how do you actually get that? Because very few assets that are liquid can give you such smooth returns. And so that's the problem that we try to solve using quantitative processes.
0: Uh, Great point. And you brought up two different, um, you know, different parts of the study. And one's the behavioral finance side. So, and, and, you know, it's really looking back as an investor and thinking about how you've made decisions in the past and understanding also that as you age, um, you may make decisions differently than you made them when you were a little bit younger. So as the, and especially as the zeros get, um, as you get add more zeros to your overall net worth, your decisions and your appetite for volatility and risk um, in general tend to become less and less um, as you as you get further down your life cycle. Um, so everything that Shaolin's talking about in terms of smoothing out returns, getting a, an acceptable rate of return Versus the risk that you're willing to take on. I mean, as you get further and further down the line, they become that much more important. Salon, um, any, any kind of trends you'd like, to, you'd like to talk about, either in the markets or in your business in general?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I think that a couple of years ago, I started my business. And, you know, quite frankly, there was a bit of pushback. Um, and, and that pushback was really an unwillingness to accept that some form of algorithmic systematic uh, investment process was really what the future held. And it's very funny to see that it's, it, it, you know, we've had the business now for two and a half years and, uh, and, and we've grown it, but that accept and a lot of it's because of that, ex, that acceptance now. So really, mm-hmm. you know, I think people are, are really accepting that technology um, is just going to ha- play a bigger part in all of our lives, of course, but in financial markets as well. And so that's, that's, that's the number one trend that I've seen. Um, as far as the markets go, uh, I am, I can't say I'm terribly optimistic. I think that, that a lot of, you know, we've had an incredible bull market. I mean, this has been absolutely incredible. And if you look at historical patterns, um, why has this transpired? And, and, and my hypothesis is that it's a combination of two things. Number one, the millennials coming of age. The hugest, excuse me, it's the largest uh, demographic cohort, um, I think, in the history. It's bigger than the baby boomers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, coupled with a financial crisis that was the worst that we had seen since the 1920s with you know, wonderful valuations, cheap assets. So the combination of the millennials coming of age, you know, getting income, generating power, and then also investing in the markets with very cheap valuations created an incredible bull market. Now, what we're seeing, though, is, 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 you know, kind of tapped out valuations. You know, you know, millennials are getting a little bit older. Their asset allocation are gonna, is going to change eventually. And I think that some of the catalysts that have driven asset prices, um, those don't necessarily exist going forward. And moreover, uh, if economic growth were to continue to slow down, we would expect interest rates to fall, which means, as I mentioned before, less money from your savings account, your CD, or from bonds which is just going to make it overall more difficult to make money. So we, that's why we, you know, it's kind of one of the reasons, you know, we had this, 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 this thought many years ago, that this is the path that we were going to take. And that's the reason that we created our strategy to do what it does, which is to trade algorithmically and systematically across a number of financial markets.
0: No, it's great. And uh, and that's why uh, my personal thought is to have a quality asset manager when um, returns are not quite as uh, easy to achieve um, as they may have been in that bull market is going to be that much more important for investors uh, going forward. So, Shaolin, if somebody is listening to this and they want more information on Boditree uh, asset management, what's the best way for them to follow up?
1: There's a couple of ways. Um, I'm on LinkedIn you can look me up, Shalyn Madan, Bodhi Tree Asset Management. Uh, and we also have a website, uh, btam.co, btam.co. All right, fantastic. Well, hey, Shalin, I really want to
0: thank you for coming on the show today and to the listeners. As always, thank you for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review, do all those great things we do to uh, support our podcasters. I really appreciate it. And, uh, Shalin, thanks again for coming on the show. oh, 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 oh